Hello, everybody. Uh, disclaimer at the start of this episode, I recorded the whole thing off my laptop microphone because I am a potato. My deepest apologies if that means your viewing experience is any less than the high standards I do try and achieve. So yeah, please, my absolute apologies, and hopefully it's not too bad. Very much thanks to Seamus Ronan for cleaning this one up. Uh, it was a very good show that I recorded with Mitch. We had a really good time. I didn't want to redo it and because... We were running pretty tight to the to the release schedule as it was. And in addition, we actually had a, just a phenomenally good show. So I didn't want to redo it again and lose all the magic. So hopefully uh, it's enjoyable for you guys. If it's not, my deepest apologies. Please stay the course. I'll do my best to do better in the future. Take care. Down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down under. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode 104 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. My name as always is Adam Camilleri. I'm joined by... Uh, I'm trying to think up appropriate nicknames for people that aren't just like uh, an IE or a Y slapped on their name and then their first initial. But he's Mitchy B, everybody, <laughs> from Sister Act 40K. How you doing, mate? <laughs> Hi, Adam. Great to talk to you again. Uh, fun, as always. You could always call me Mr. Sister. That, that's a cute one. That is actually a pretty cute one. Uh, I, I, was, I was the kind of the joke yeah. I was getting at is that in Australia, all we do is like, take two letters off your name and then add I, E, or Y to your name. And then that's that's kind of your ubiquitous uh, nickname. If anybody doesn't know what to call you, they just call See. you, like, people used to call me Adzi for Adam because it's just that's what Australians do. Like, yeah. like Matt is Maddie, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you could always call me Mitchie B because my last name is Beard, but then, then, we're, then we're getting rather close. To- <laughs> well, that's exactly right. I just called you Mitchie B for the intro. Like, that's just literally your name yeah. with a Y. And your initial. Yeah, that works. That works. In Australia, we're our sophisticated people. We're our cultured people. <laughs> we aim high with our humour and our anecdotes. Well, until we get, until we get to something yeah. like very crass or inappropriate to call you, and usually that's determined by something silly or inappropriate that you sir would do. So I'll give you time to develop that. Um, uh, we'll spend some time <laughs> together. Because um, I hear you're, you're you're bringing back like uh, terror moments from my childhood. Where do you ever play the name game? Where like you replace certain letter, like the first letter name with different letters in the song. So it'd be like, you know, uh, a B and then an M and then an F. And the counselors always go, Mitch, Mitch, Mo Mitch, banana, banana, but never mind. <laughs> Next kid. Yes. Nice. Never swear during the uh, camp song. No, we never did that. That sounds like far too intelligent for, for my school life. We <laughs> <laughs> just to call each other curse words, like straight up, like primary school. Uh, that, that F and D and whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jumping straight in, we are here to do. I've been holding off on this for a very long time. This is the Sisters of Battle, the Adeptus Sororitas Codex retrospective. And the reason I've been holding off on doing this, guys, is because this Codex has had so many supplements and armies of renown, and every 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 single chapter approved has been a significant change. To it feels like has been a significant change to Sisters. Every new new mission packet, every data yeah. slate, it feels like almost has adjusted this faction. I think more than any other, this is the most touched faction of Ninth Edition, possibly. Um, I mean, I don't. First of, that's my know first big statement as a freaking show. What do you de- think about definitely that? Definitely for sisters, like 
the, the decision to do a retrospective feels Fair. fairly arbitrary. Like, you've just entered a whole nother brave new world where a whole new wave of things happening. I agree. You you don't get more than three, four months before the meta is totally different and the sisters well, have to play differently. So even if our rules don't change. Ex- ex- that's what it, f- that's what it feels yeah. like. So I felt like at least I'll get it at the start of a mission packet. Like at least I'll get this one to be this one to be relevant for like at least six months of Nephilim because yeah. uh, I'm, I'm getting here right at, like in the first like month or two. Uh, but anyway, tell us a little bit about Sister Act 40K, my dude. Feel free to plug anything. Uh, wonderful. Yeah. So if at the end of this show you decide you're like, man, I really want to know more about sisters. So there's this show called Sister Act 40K. You just find it by searching for that Sister Act 40K. Uh, it is me and my co-host Rob, Rob Helton. Get this. We only talk about sisters. We are 37 episodes deep. We have continued to have more content than we have time to, uh, time to work on, believe it or not. We go as deep as you possibly could on a faction. If Adam does a two-hour codex review of the Nephilim book, we do a two-hour code review of the sister secondary of the Nephilim book. So that's just kind of how we roll. Uh, and if you're interested in that kind of thing, you know, we do that, and you can come find us. Love it. Love the, I love the faction-specific podcast, and the fact that you guys have gotten 37 episodes and going strong from that format, I think it's an absolute testament to you. And, uh, yeah, may there be many more. Um for those who do not know what Art of War Down Under is, this is primarily a review-based podcast. It is a two-parter. First part comes out Tuesday mornings. Second part comes out Tuesday mornings also. But it's behind a paywall because I need to grease these gears. 104 episodes, multiple, multiple hours every week. It needs some kind of engine to keep it going and keep me hyped and putting out an episode every week. So if you feel like supporting me, I do a whole second episode just for people who are willing to pay for it. For this one, it's going to be me and Mitch deep diving the current state of the lists and the competitive matches for oh, sisters, yeah. they are somewhere near the top of the competitive pile. If not, they're on top of them. Like they're on the Mount Rushmore right now of the meta. So we're going to be t- unpacking where they're strong, where they're weak, what are the tech choices you need to know. And then we're going to talk about some of the off-brand meta choices. We're going to talk about some of the on-brand stuff and let's talk about some of the alternative builds. And then let's on top it. of that, we have some amazing listening and patron questions that have been sent in for your listening pleasure also so if you do, do jump over go over to art of war down under over on patreon or the art of war 40k.com and you can slap in your lists your memes your questions which will all get added into the part twos of this wonderful podcast so but jumping into this retrospective those who do not know we haven't done one of these in a while and i am working my way through the backlog i think the next one after this will, either, will be t-suns if i can get the right person involved if not we'll be overlooking t-suns jump to the next best one which i think might be gsc and then we'll be coming back to T-Suns as soon as I... It's, 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 it's like when I get the right person for the show, I, I push these ones out. And, of course, Mitchie B is always going to be the right person for this show. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Anytime, anytime. Um, so for those of you who do not know what we do for the retrospectives, we go back through the codex, because actually I re- I'm primarily review-based. I, I review content on this show. Um, and so six months, nine months, a year maybe if we're pushing it, uh, we go back through the codex from a top-down view and we look at what worked, what's doing well, what isn't doing well. On first glance, what we thought was going to be very strong, what has, has ended up being strong, or what we thought was going to be weak that's ended up being very powerful. And we talk to you how this has changed, how it's evolved. We kind of do a bit of a, a medical on it as well where we're going through, like a bit of the state of the game. And this is going to be a very interesting one to do because I feel like they've been on a hell of a roller coaster. But jumping into the first part of this review, we start off with some uh, with some hot takes and some first impressions. We usually when we do a review, so we're going to do Mitchy B's impressions of sisters in the current meta, which uh, shouldn't come as many big surprises to you that they are very, very, very good. But take it away, Mitch. 
Yeah, it is a good time to be a sister player for sure. We had a fairly long time in the doldrums during the Tau Stodes meta when it was we were running very much like show me where they touched you lists of like 30 Sacrosynthes Valor's Heart, just trying to get through round by round at an event. But I feel like right now we're in a really, really good place. If like my mental model for sisters is if indirect is weak and Repentia kill things, Sisters is in a pretty good place. <laughs> right now, Indirect is weak, and Sisters, Repentia kill things. So, like, we're pretty happy. And then you add in the le- recent changes to secondaries and the Nephilim buffs that we got, and it's feeling pretty great to be a Sisters player. I, I would say one more thing, though, which is Art of War did a tier list recently where they had Sisters as the only S tier faction. I looked at that and went, I don't know if that's quite true. And, and I think the recent tournament results with seeing Necrons and Tyranids are way up there and Chaos now. I don't think Sisters are the undisputed queens of the meta, but I think they are definitely a top contender and in the best of hands can definitely win a Super Major and have recently. I agree with that take. I agree that they are in so, yeah. um, an extremely strong position. I think they are one of the best. I don't think they are. I don't think they are the best. I'm starting to believe that possibly Necrons are the best. But that needs some unpacking. In fact, I just need to get my ass kicked by them a couple more times so I, so I can figure out if they're actually that good. Uh, but I think Sisters are e- easily, I think, a top a top five, if not a top three in the current game at the moment. Yeah, I agree. Phenomenally potent. And you talk about Repentia, like a whole new playbook's been unraveled with, oh, well, 30 Zephyrum now seemed like an option where before it was like one, maybe two medium-sized units, like between five and ten, usually maybe to go six or seven. But I played against 30 on the weekend, and I was like, sweet, merciful God, this is not right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care if you tell me they're strength four. 10 Zephyrum will kill whatever you want. You want to break down a Christoris Knight? No problem. They can take that down for you. They're so good. We will fit it all into this nice little box for you by the end of things. (laughs) Yeah, 150 points. No problem. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, Because, yeah, I look at at Vanguard veterans, and I'm like, this is okay. Then I look at Zephyrum, and I'm like, the Vanguard veterans are not are not good. <laughs> so if I put them away, I look at the Zephyrum a bit longer and I'm like, why aren't you like these Vanguard veterans? Why aren't so, you this good? <laughs> you know, like when you open up Battlescribe and you like make a list, which is a ridiculous over-the-top concept list. The concept yeah. list that I keep making is like 30 Zephyrum, 30 Repentia, 30 Sacrosins. How many hammers can I throw at you before you just stop moving? Before you <laughs> like, no more. There's a lot of combat options in the book right now. All right, let us jump in. So we're going to be talking about the Holy Orders first. This is your, you know, your chapter tactics for those at home. Um, from the top down, talking about these, uh, when we did our first review, you were on that for us. So for those of you who do not know, Mitch has been on for just about all yeah. of the sisters' content that I reviewed. I like to keep it consistent where I can. And then in um, when we do some of the bigger reviews, I like to, to break it up uh, because... Um, you know, like when I'm reviewing a whole codex these days, I'd like to get two or three perspectives. But you, you were on for the, were you on for the Martyred Lady? I know you're on for the Bloody Rose supplement review. Were you on for the Martyred Lady one as well? Not Martyred Lady. I did the Bloody Rose one with you. Yeah, that was when you wanted to do the retro, and then Gin's Workshop was like, psych, new content. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Duck and weave, Adam. Duck and weave. We're going to keep you on your toes, sisters. Yeah. I remember doing, doing yep. with the initial review. I thought, uh, I thought Bloody Rose was the most boring, but possibly the best. Um, but then yep. a very good case was made for Our Minded Lady, Argent Shroud, and Valorous Heart were all three others that were thrown out as possible top contenders for which is the best. Taking yeah. taking freaking uh, Bloody Rose out of the equation for a moment because it's undisputed that it's the best way to play them right now, what's your go-tos? I mean, the Sisters book, ever since it's come out, the conversation in the Sisters community has always been, oh man, I hope it's not just Bloody Rose that is viable. And yeah. sometimes that's been true and sometimes that's been false, but Bloody Rose has always felt viable. Like 
when the book came out, you would see uh, you would see Arjun Shroud for a while when they could do that at Rhinos. There was a phase where you see Evan Chalice. John Lennon famously won a super major with Evan Chalice and Buddy Rose back when you could do that. Then there was a brief period of time when Valor's Hard was really good during the Dark Tower Stodies meta when there's just nothing else you could do but try not to die. Yeah. Uh, but I think right now, kind of back to Bloody Rose. The combat units got some real buffs. Uh, the way that they want to jump out behind walls and then kill you is great for our secondary game. It's hard to not want Bloody Rose at the moment because the other orders pale a little bit in comparison. I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to keep trying. And other players are trying too. Some really good players are playing around with different options, and we can talk about them. But Bloody Rose right now is top dog at the moment. I, I think it's undisputed. It's like the gap between Bloody Rose and the rest is pretty vast. I think Valorous Heart still makes a good case. I think No Rerolls yeah. to Wound is a, a phenomenal place to be. Because, like I said, they got changed. Yeah, they, their order got changed, right? Yeah, so they're No Rerolls to Wound, and they still keep their five up shrug against uh, all mortals ability, which is also very, very good. Uh, and then obviously Valor's Heart has the blind faith stratagem, which is ignore hit mods when you shoot. So you can walk and shoot your retributors hitting on threes. That So like that's actually quite a strong package. Oh, I think yeah. there are definitely some players who've done like the nine Nundums Valor's Heart list yeah, because uh, Paragons with two up saves and Armor Contempt is like a real thing, but it's, it's niche. It's niche. Absolutely. Now, um, so I, unfortunately with the Holy Orders, there's actually not that much to talk about. Like, Bloody Rose is just that much better than everybody else. It's a bit awkward to talk about this section of the book. Um, and, and the fact is, like, when we talked about this section of the book, when we first did it, Bloody Rose was e- it was easy to identify that this was the biggest improvement in straight-line power in, in the book. Like, yeah. oh, cool. We take an army that is, without Bloody Rose, is mediocre in combat with the exception of Repentia and only then sometimes like straight like uh Repentia without Bloody Rose I'm actually like like okay whatever that's fine they're still they're still crazy but they don't just run through damn near everything whereas Repentia with Bloody Rose run through damn near no um you talk about like you know what a death company without without plus one to charge and plus one to wound you know um it's it's not that good (laughs) yeah uh from from um yeah, Blood Angels. I, w- I would suggest if you wanted to play Repentia as not Bloody Rose, I would think of them more as your uh, countercharge and or screening unit. Yep. There's like a surprising amount of first turn charge in the game right now, and first turn charging into any Repentia, even if they're not Bloody Rose, is still a very painful experience because they can fight on death. Mm. But I would look at them more for that role than like a, I'm just going to kill you with these things and win the game off the back exactly of the role. Right. Exactly right. Um, and yeah, uh, to, to my mind, Zephyrim without Bloody Rose are just kind of not worth it, right? They're a lot weaker. Yeah, way weaker. You have to run 10s as non-Bloody yeah. Rose, and they're okay. Mm. And, and, and well, the, and then yeah. Morven Vile makes them pretty respectable again. All right, well, so this is an interesting thing. We've seen some absolute swings and knocks it and home runs with the build-your-own orders. The Sisters one seems to be a complete swing and a miss. Is that your impression as well? I have never once seen a competitive list running the Orders Minoris. I'm definitely a part of the communities that have tried really, really hard mm-hmm. to find every last thing that they could. Uh, no one has successfully pulled it off. Not not one time. There's a lot of hype at the start of the book around like yep. shooting melted guns at max range 18 inches and a couple other things. But realistically, like it's just there's just not enough gas in the tank for these things. A lot of like the every order has like two bolt, two dot points, as you call them. Yep. And you can kind of mix and match like two Minoris to match them. But they're always worse. Mm. Like they're never as good. Like the Bloody Rose one, of course, is plus one attack. The Minoris is plus one to hit. Like it's, <laughs> it's that kind of mechanic over and over yeah. again. So yeah, uh, I yeah I don't. This it seems to be almost the worst one. Like the the there's nothing special in the way it was built, and there's nothing here that offers you anything you don't get better in in the actual you know everything is built for you. In addition, 
like the relics of war traits uh, and stratagems is kind of the best parts of most of the holy orders. Like I think the, the ones we talk about being good are good because they're got like, they're, they're full package. Whereas a lot of other orders, you like all chapter tactics, you'll go through and like, oh cool, I get a good chapter tactic, and maybe the war trait is respectable. But like some of these are really full package, especially when you talk about like. Of course, Martyred Lady and Bloody Rosa come with like a whole another page of relics and extra bullet trades and all this other extra yeah. stuff. It's really hard to to quantify, but but still, it's like it, they they can't be that good, right? Because we talk about I would talk about the same things being good for Drakari, and yet we see custom coven, custom rich cult Drakari all over the place still. Yeah, yeah, elves, same thing for Crawford. Else you see them all the time too. Yeah. Yep. The the famous Obsec Dynasty, which you've never not seen anytime you played Necrons. Yeah, ex- exactly right. And is now the build. Like um, it's the is, is that build is just this is the question maybe for a part two. Is that build for Necrons the only oh no, Halo Doom. So is Halo so Halo Doom and the expansionist Eternal Conquerors builds, are they the two build bear ones that have been the best in ninth edition? I think that's probably a good question for a part two. Um but jumping down to the strats, tell us about the strats, mate. How do you feel about them? Do you feel like they've held up over time? And is this still where there's a lot of powerful systems? Uh, so I think I was thinking about this when you invited me on the show. So some of the strats for the orders are really fun. Like I mentioned, Blind Faith of Val's Heart is really good. Bloody Rose has some, has like a really cool combat strat, auto wound and hit on sixes. Sacred Road, which you'll never ever see, has like exploding sixes and shooting, which is hilarious. But like all the baseline strats for the book... Maybe I'll get in trouble for this. I'm not excited by them. Like, there's a few strats which make the unit work. Like, Seraphim get to shoot when they deep strike. Yep, yep. Uh, Dominions get to shoot mortal wounds with their storm bolters. The uh, Hospitaller can bring back D3 models. There's a few things like that which really should be printed on the data sheet, but just, like, happen to be in the stratagem section. But, like, the stratagems that I actually use in the game are, like, fall back and shoot, fall back and charge, reroll hits, and like maybe a, a like a plus one to hit manipulation one. There's there's very few like cool stretch which feels sistersy. Like the only one I really see that I like is like the transhuman on battle sisters. If you're yep. playing that kind of a build, or maybe the angels jumping up into the sky. But like those are niche. Most of the time, you're just like doing stuff that a lot of other factions also have access to while crying that we don't have advanced charge. <laughs> like I'm not yeah. super amped for the stratagems in the book once we played for a year and saw what actually mattered in a game. Yeah. So. It's it's pretty apparent to me that this isn't where the power is of this book. Like the strats are just yeah. a little bit of quality of life improvement and then some improvements in straight line power. Like Dominions without Blessed Bolts uh, being a strat in the game do not get played. Like, you know, with Dominions now with Blessed yeah. Bolts being in the game are a, thing, are a unit that gets played. And you're exactly right. Seraphim yeah. without being able to shoot off the Deep Strike do not get played. But with that strat, they get played. And, yep. and there's, but there's a couple, like, there, there are a couple other really cool ones. I always found the the one that you um uh, get back up after death by discarding Miracle Dice and a Moment of Grace where you discard Miracle Dice to improve dice rolls. I found those to be really cool and yeah. ways to incorporate the core mechanic into the stratagem section. In, 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 in I think Moment of Grace is, like, the best example of no, Mitch, you're wrong because of this stratagem. I think Moment of Grace is, like, actually very cool. That's the discard of Miracle Dice for plus one to hit or plus one to wound uh, or plus one to save. So. Yeah, it's a it's it's a really cool strat. And those are those are the kind of things that I like to see with the stratagem section. Things that tie in and feel like they create internal synergy within different you know different mechanics. But uh, you're absolutely right. Yep. Most of this stuff is just pretty pretty bland by comparison. Like, oh, I could cool, I could do maybe one cool thing with this unit. This unit does one cool thing. Um, there's yep. no real overarching yep. like binds all the units together. Here's some cool thing that my army can do. Here's one thing this unit gets to do maybe once per game. 
and that kind of stuff, it really does leave you a little bit wanting. But it's, you know, you don't feel so bad about it because at any time, your any unit in your army can do phenomenal crap with whatever miracle dice you have available. So that kind of makes up for some of that loss in excitement. But you're actually- I, I, I got to be honest, Adam, the, the comeback to life strategy of divine intervention, I almost never use it because I always tell my opponent I have it. And so they're always like, do I it. really want to dive on that character? And I'm yeah. like, do you though? And then they're like, you know, keep your CP. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's the same. As, well, and then it's working, isn't it? It's doing, it's doing better for yeah, exactly. you. Yeah, exactly. Act- I never, yeah. I never heroic six with Celestine. Never, ever. But my opponent never forgets she can, right? right. So that's how it goes. Absolutely right. So yeah, in uh, overall, I think the stratagem section is, I mean, possibly the weakest part of the book. Um, it's it's not. It's I'm not fine. Gonna, I'm not going to call it as the weakest part of the book because it's it. Well, then the reason it would be is because it's a very good book. Because I think the next section has been left a little bit wanting as well. There are a couple of really good bits. This is the blessings of the faithful guys, and this is the dollar menu upon which you may pay. You pay pay extra points for characters to get extra spicy bits and pieces. <laughs> I will let you do the TLDR because I did a really bad job then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like I want the Big Mac, but with like extra special sauce. Yeah, this is what you do for your your canonesses. Uh, I actually think I disagree with you a little bit, Adam. I, I think the blessings are just fine. They're, for context, there are six of them, right? In any games workshop body of rules, if half of a, if half of the things they give you are useful, I'm impressed, right? Like most stratagems, most relics are garbage, and then you kind of power by a few of them. I would say yeah. full three of the six blessings are fine, and even now. There's arguments. Do you take Word of the Emperor, which is the turn off invul and fly last? Do you take uh, Rapture's Blows, which is you supercharge your candidates and you can do, you know, hand out mortals on sixes over and around her? Yep. Even uh, Emperor's Grace, which is the turn off rerolls to hit and wound in an aura, sees play. That's like half of them. And like there's real debate which one is the right one to take. So I think it's, you know, Dude, I think it's holding up actually. This is why I get guys like Mitchie B on. Because from an outside player, someone who doesn't play sisters looking in, Word of the Emperor is the only one that's ever touched the sides of me. The only one that ever made an impact. The only one I've ever <laughs> it is the most popular at the moment. It's the only one I've ever seen matter. And the only one I've ever actually noticed when I've played against sisters. Like, okay, I need to play around that. They have Word of the Emperor. Cool. Um, Rapture's Blows, whatever, cool. You made a character that was already pretty beady, a bit of a more beady, cool, in, in, in an army that has already has Celestine Vile and, uh, you know, whatever. So uh, it, it, to me, like, the, the reason it fell, I said it fell a little bit flat is because it felt like there was only one choice. Um, the fact that you're here telling me there's multiple choices, there's multiple relevant choices, means that, you know, this is this is a lot better than I thought and a lot better than people should give credence to other options here. The no rerolls aura once per game. I've always thought, like, why the hell don't I see that? Why wasn't that like the? Why was I still seeing Word of the Emperor being the auto pick? Like when people were playing thirty sacrosins into the freaking the tower crisis suits with four rerolls to hit and rerolls to wound and that kind of crap. Surely Emperor's Grace just becomes the best pick there, right? But then still, oh cool, one unit of Repentia with Word of the Emperor activated just run straight through the four-up involves on all the, the drones and crisis suits, right? And so then you're like, well, I guess I'm just still taking that one. Um, am I off the mark here? I mean, you're not wrong. I, I For a while, I was a really big fan of the 20 Battle Sister brick versus Valor's Heart and then his Argent Shroud because I could advance, hold the mid-board and still shoot. And I really liked Grace on that because of 20 Battle Sisters who are transhuman yeah. and no hit or wound rerolls and a 4-up invulnerable save is just disgusting. Mm-hmm. But it's a niche build. And right now, like I said, Repentia are good, so everyone's taking Repentia. And the secondaries make it very viable stratagem. So I think unless like the meta shifts a little bit, you're going to you're gonna see this. Now, I would say we've seen a lot of like double playing built recently which might actually hurt the millions of repentia build because double planes can actually do bad things depending on the planes so maybe 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 but right now yeah word word is the play but it might not be in three months so uh, and i hope it changes because yeah i've seen word of the emperor in i think like 80 percent of the, the sisters 
well, I've noticed it in 80% of the lists I've played against when I play Sisters. And I do play Sisters quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, you're not wrong. And yeah, I would love to, <laughs> love to see some variety there. So on, on overall, I think this is a pass for this section. Like, Blessings is a pass. For me, it's not a win. But I think Mitch is telling me I'm wrong. It, it's, it's pretty much a win for Sisters players. Um, although 40 points. It's 40 points worth of the Emperor. I mean, it is game-winning. Like, if you pull it off, like, it is game-winning. Anyway, Warlord Traits. Warlord Traits, my dude. How do you feel about the generics? So Warlord Traits... Yeah, I think the Warlord Traits are okay. I think what's happened with a lot of books is everyone gets really hyped when the book comes out and we try it all out and then we come back around and we're like, actually, no, it's just this one. Like, we, we've, we've solved this one. Yeah. So Warlord Traits goes like this. Um, if you're playing Ball, probably still want to put Righteous Rage on her, which is full hit and wound rerolls. Smart people disagree with me. Smart people agree with me. Whatever. I love it. Uh, you can also put it on a Canonist now, even if you have Ball, which is neat. Um, Beacon of Faith is the one which gives your bearer a private miracle dice, which you can use in the same phase as a normal miracle dice. You can like advance two units for two yep. miracle dice. We'll talk about secondaries later, but there's a secondary that lets you score points for doing miracles. Beacon of Faith effectively becomes like get three or four CP for one, uh, or three or four victory points for one CP. I think if that was a strat, we would play it all of the time. So basically, like I'm going to always take it for that reason. Some people disagree with me, but I feel it really strong. And then maybe, maybe, maybe you look at the plus one invulnerable save if you want to tech your way to a six up invulnerable, a four, a four up invulnerable save on angels, or with a mm. hymn you can get to a four and everything else too. But but that's not very popular right now because of armor contempt. So really, it's like does Vol have righteous rage? Did someone take Beacon of Faith for more points? Yeah, and we're done. Talking about warlord traits, the other ones don't ever get taken. Even the even the detachment ones don't get taken really. Yeah, and even the special detachment ones. Right I haven't. Even, I've seen. So the there was the order of my order of our martyred lady, absolute slaughter canoness, right? Who had um yep the, one of the warlord traits like fourteen. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah, absolute monster of a canoness. But she was using warlord traits from uh, martyred lady, right? Yep. So there's a combination of a strat. You, you basically gave her two warlord traits, and you gave her a special sword. Uh, so like a relic. The problem, and this is a problem kind of more generally right now, which makes me sad about Sisters, because of Nephilim, with you not getting the free command point and the free relic, yeah, and yeah. starting with far fewer CP at the start of the game, the, we used to make all these crazy canonist builds, and they're all huh? dead. They're all, all dead. Them dead. They were nope. tanky canonists, tilly canonists, mortals canonists, uh, tilly canonists, and they're all dead. Yeah, Canis, bon- word, done. Yeah, yep. it, unfortunately, like no one is spending three CP to make a canoness into a monster anymore. You just take you just take Celestine, you just take Vile, you just take all these ones yep. that are already monsters for their points. And yeah, um, I do hundred percent agree with you. I think Beacon of Faith has dropped off a little bit because of just how many. Because Beacon of Faith used to be amazing because you just needed to guarantee you'd have an extra miracle dice every turn in order to get a good score on Leap of Faith. I think getting a miracle extra miracle dice at the start of each turn already instead of each battle round gives you that miracle dice. So I don't think Beacon of Faith is necessary anymore. In fact, I don't think any of the Sisters of Warlord traits are necessary anymore. I think they're nice to have if you want them, but I think it's fine if you don't take any, which is weird to say. I think that's I think that's true. And that's sad, right? Because Warlord traits are like a fun, flavorful part yeah. of the game for the last two editions. I, I, plenty of Sisters players agree with you on Beacon. Plenty disagree. It is currently a very heated debate, but if you don't take it, you're not obviously wrong. And yeah. I'm not obviously right for taking it. So I, yeah, I agree with you. But in the previous packet, you needed to take Beacon to guarantee that you would get like the at minimum that eight or nine points on leap, right? Every game, you would have to take Beacon to yep. make sure you had that extra miracle dice to just whack down, get a couple of points. Um, oh, cool! I'm advancing. Ooh, I'm staying exactly in the same spot. But here's my advance for here's my miracle dice for the yeah. advance um, to leap and get me. Part of the power points. was that you could do it in addition to another act of faith. So, like, you could advance the battle system to get on the objective that you needed to do, and then also advance the character. So suddenly you just scored a point. That mm-hmm. was kind of neat because it was the second one in the phase too. 
but yeah, I, you can get away without it if you're really good at bookkeeping. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, and this, I'm not uh, that's, that. Uh, uh, the Warlord Trace section is the reason why I didn't say the strats were the weakest part of the book, because Warlord Trace are the weakest part of the book, in my opinion. They are totally, totally forgettable. Don't need any of them. But because I think you get around them really well with other with other powerful portions of the book, I think that it's not necessary. So we thought we've got Hymns of Battle up next as in the next section, and so by extent we're going to be kind of telling you how good a Dogmata is because a Dogmata is it a missionary as well gets one of these. The missionary, the Dogmata, and the Dialogus all That's can right. cast Hymns of Battle. Yeah. yeah. So how do yeah. you feel about the Hymns at the moment? How do they line up? Because I still think they're quite good. Uh, so people might disagree with me here, but I actually think hymns have a similar story to warlord traits which is that we figured it out mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of debate and that makes me sad yeah. uh, there's even less debate than on the warlord traits because like maybe you take righteous rage and ball maybe you take beacon but the hymns goes like this you take a dogmata she gets war him for free you love war him it's plus one attack everyone loves war him wonderful and then you take course of spiritual fortitude which is one that turns off psychics like you can't smite that unit it turns off debuffs in certain matchups that is just so incredibly good that it becomes mandatory and I would say great sisters players would tell you that you're probably strictly wrong for not taking it. I could tell you that one time I went to a GT and didn't take it, and I lost round five to T-Suns and never, ever, ever again. I just played versus sisters on the weekend with uh, Grey Knights, and yeah, he had this, and it was really bad <laughs> for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've definitely been worse when you can't smite them either. Well, I've, only got, face. I've only got Stormballs, so I ain't shooting them to death, so yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what everybody is doing. The question is, like, does your dogmata take a relic which allows for a second hymn, and then do you take first of Holy Piety? That is, like, the only debate. But the fact that the only debate is, do you take a third one or not? I personally don't like first of Holy Piety. I think it's limited utility. Some people disagree with me. There's a case on both sides. But it's such a narrow debate that hymns is largely solved, and I would say even more boring than Warlord traits. What, is, uh, what does Holy Piety do, for those people who don't know? Because I, I think a lot of people know what, um, what Spiritual Fortitude does. We, we, we just told you. It essentially gives you a Calexus-like effect. As in, a null, you, your exactly. becomes a null against psychic powers. What's words of Holy Piety? Verse of Holy Piety. Yeah, verse of Holy Piety. If you've played a, a couple of Sisters plays, you will probably run into this. Basically, um, Sisters have these things called sacred rites. There are six of them. Everyone takes the same one, which is exploding sixes in combat called the Passion. There's like, verse of Holy Piety lets you pick a unit and put another sacred rite on it. So there's two things you'll do with this. The first is you might put Hand of the Emperor on them, which gives them plus one advance, plus one to charge. On Repent, they can advance and charge. Two extra inches of movement is a real thing. The other thing that you can do with Verse of Holy Piety is you can put uh, a right on which gives them plus one to their deny. So you can intrinsically deny in a five or a six instead yep. of a six. So yep. for that one psychic power, you deny it in a five or a six, you re-roll your deny, and then you use the stratagem for a four-up deny, which is like a 70, more than 75% chance to deny a stratagem. Very, very niche, but that is the case for Holy Piety. The case against is it cost me a CP to do this, and I I want to hold my CP real close. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. So there we um, go. Yeah, the hymns, I feel like the hymns are very good. I think they're fine. I think uh, none of the uh, none of the, the characters that take, a, take the hymns will cost you many, if any, points that you're going to miss, and they're, they're, they're all going to be yep. pretty re- legitimate value. And on top of that, they're bringing stuff, warlord-like effects that aren't costing you CP, which is why I think they're better. They're, they're, that's, which is why I think they're one better than the warlord traits at a minimum, because they're not costing you any I, resources. They're, they're a cool mechanic. I'm glad that we get the equivalent of chaplains, or rather yep. chaplains get the equivalent of priests. Uh, you know, I think their straight-line power is fine. I think they're interesting game, in-game effect, but as a design element, the fact that it is everyone is doing the same thing mm-hmm. makes me sad. Yeah, that's so, fair. That's all. All right, on to the relic section. So it's hard to talk about the relic section because there's so many, uh, well, I, th- I think there's so many relevant relics that aren't in this section. They're in the supplements and the armies of renown and et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. But tell us about the generics. How do they hold up uh, in the current game? 
I mean, we kind of already answered this question when we said that the tooled up candidates is dead because no one wants to spend two CP on a candidate to make her better at her job or even three CP in, if with the supplements. Unfortunately, I think that invalidates most of the cool relics here. Like there's a couple of cool defensive relics, the cool offensive relics. Um, you know, Iron Surplus is this really cool transhuman two up save on a candidate that you'll never, ever see it anymore. Really relics like... Here's the TLDR on Relics. You probably want to take Litanies of Faith, which is the one reroll of a Miracle Dice for Battle Round. Yep. Some people don't yep. take it. I, I personally swear by it. If I need my charge, I want to have my dice for my charge, and there's nothing you can say to convince me. Maybe you take Sigil Ecclesiasticus, which is the one that lets the Dogmatic get the extra him. And maybe you take Chaplet of Sacrifice because that gives you reroll hits and one free stratagem. So like it kind of pays for itself on a yep. Dogmatic because yep. it lets you automatically chant to him. And that's the end of the conversation. That's the whole conversation. Wait, wait, you're telling me Wrath of the Emperor, my four-shot pistol with strength five minus one, <laughs> two damage, isn't crushing the meta? What's, what's the matter with Sisters players? That Wrath of the Emperor, 18-inch range replacement ball pistol isn't just up there, auto-take. This is crazy to me. <laughs> you know, in the eighth book, that was a real weapon, but not in the ninth book. <laughs> no, it's fair. And you're absolutely right. There's like three worth taking in the current um, environment. And to me, like I do actually really, I actually like that you talked about the Chaplet of, Sac- the Chaplet of Sacrifice because I think the fact that it makes one, it kind of pays for itself means that it is yeah. one you may consider now more than you did before. May consider now more than you did before because if it's if it's a cost-neutral relic, that went up in stock by default in yes. the FM changes. And, and it's not bad. Four rolls to hit and it gets you a fight on death effect. So, like, the dog Mattis suddenly, like, re-rolling her hits on threes with exploding yeah. sixes. She hits and nine, she hits, like, 111% of the time. Yeah, You dude. know, she'll get to do it twice when you die for her. Like, that's a neat little trick. Dude, so, dude, yeah, making a cost-neutral bonk mata, as we would call her. That's been the colloquial adopted meme yeah. for this character. Because um, she goes in there and she, you know, smashes you in the face with a big old mace. Yeah, so I think cost-neutral uh, bonk mata feels pretty good. Uh, all right, jumping into what I think is now the strongest or equal strongest portion of this book. This is the secondaries, and it's, it's so weird, oh, yeah. and this is just such a ninth edition issue. I'm looking at the Codex secondaries, and I'm like, no, I can't read any of this page anymore. Nope. The one in the Codex. Nope, they're all wrong. I can't they're read any of these. They're all completely changed now. But we're not going to go through all of them because we don't need to read through all of them because I can tell you that all of them are good. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but yep. you give us the you give us the expert opinion. Uh, I mean, yeah, the sister secondaries are real good. There are there is a very compelling case to take three sister secondaries. Um, there is a very compelling case to nearly always take two. Yeah. Uh, to break it down super quickly, defend the shrine is a battlefield supremacy one. That's the closest to what it was. You could almost fix your book because if you take that. So Defend the Shrine is the one where pick an objective, three points at the end of your turn for holding it. It's like Stranglehold, but for one objective instead of three. And then you lose three if you don't have it at the end of the game. But it used to be your opponent selected one. All they did was change it to you select one. Just cross out the word opponent and it reads just fine. Who would have thought? Real (laughs) real big difference. Real big difference. That word. Uh, So uh, as a Dark Angels player, this feels like what Stubborn Defiance used to be. Yeah. Stubborn Defiance used to be, uh, I pick pick an objective at the start of the game, and literally if I hold it for five turns, 15 points. Just write them in the book. And it used to be, you know, 10 obsec unkillable terminators sitting behind a freaking wall on an objective. Good luck. If you are killing that unit, I'm getting smashed on on, on the table anyway, and it doesn't matter. 
This feels like that. It feels like pick an objective that's easy to defend, defend it, write 15 into your scorecard. Um, it's really... You might you easy. might write a 12 if you go first because they could take it back, bottom of five. But even that, a 12 True. or a 15 automatic is, is a good It's good just thing, right? nuts. Well, Leap of Faith got better as well. Not not in the fact that the wording got that much better. It got better in the fact that you start you have like doubles, if not sometimes two, uh, two to three times more Miracle Dice available during the game. And then when you take into account the way that the competitive lists have changed to be much more of that offensive trading game, as in you're always yep. killing and losing units, it just means that you just have a freaking like ladleful of Miracle Dice to pour down at any time and be like, everything works. Um, and so, <laughs> and therefore, Leap of Faith just like, pops off for you to get that 12. I think the only thing making Leap of Faith not one of the best secondaries in the game, it doesn't give you 15. It, gives you, it, it maxed out 12, right? Yeah, so exactly right. I, Adam, I sense a little bit of uh, bitterness there about automatically passing all your rolls. Are you are you upset by that, maybe? It's, 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 uh, when, I, when I play a dice game, I like the dice to matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah. It's totally fine. It's, it's, yeah, I look at a 10-inch charge, I'm like, cool story. Oh, exactly <laughs> I'm right. I'm do it. Exactly yeah. right. And now we've got two armies in the game that just look at like the dice and just say, ah, I don't care about that. That being Eldar as well. Just look at the dice rolls and be like, yeah, those are for the plebs to worry about. But us sisters and the Eldar players, we don't, we don't, we don't use those anymore. <laughs> you see these over so here? I, I have, yeah. I have two pet peeves that sit above all others when I play a game. The first is when a custodius player rolls their eyes when they miss with, re- with like twos re-rolling ones. You like yes. miss a hit and, like, and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Don't even. And then the second thing is when an Eldar player calls their fake dice miracle dice. That's another uh, thing which triggers. Yeah, fair. I, I, I love it. Um, how, so we talked about Defender Shrine, which is, I think, I think Defender Shrine is the auto-include. You should almost always play that. Leap of Faith, if you would like to, but that is the that is the amazing second pick. What's the third pick option? We have um, we have Slay the Heritage. Just, to, just to briefly mention Leap of Faith, the other thing we didn't mention is that it's in No Mercy, No Respite, which is otherwise not really secondary. We take, like, you're never taking Grind to Sisters. So True. it's the fact that you can always run it happily and not interfere with the other ones is really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because, so the other yeah. one, the only mention is is what you're about to say, Sacred Grounds, which is the Shadow Operations one. This is like the same land that R&D lives in yeah. uh, and when Banners lives. So Sacred Ground, it used to be you could do it once per once per battle round, and when once you jumped on the objective, it had to have nothing on it. And then if you kept it to your next command phase, it'd score four points or one if it was in your deployment zone. They tweaked it slightly. It's now five points instead of four. You can start as many of them as you want, and you just have to control the objective, not have no one else on it. So you can obsec on the objective and then start the action. These three things combined. The other thing is you can score it at end of the your next command phase or end of the game. These three things combined basically mean if you go second, it's a 15. Yeah. Most yeah. of the time. Because round five, you're like, I'm going to do it in these three places, mm-hmm. and I'm bottom of five, you can't stop me. And I, I've i literally scored 11 points on it, like 15, like 12 points on it. Well, like I scored 11, I scored 10, battle round five a number of times. It's really, really good. That's, wow. Um, yeah. You just have to be careful into matchups with a lot of shooting where like you're never going to survive if you're out in the open, like into nights. They're just going to shoot you off it over and over and over again. And if you go first and you don't get the free points at the end of it, you might not score it. Yeah. But other than those matchups, it's a very strong contender. So Yeah, that's what I think. I think it's a it's a it's a solid third pick. Um and more more than that, I think it's a confidence pick. This is this is one that you yep. use at the the better you the more proficient you are with the book. Um I've never I haven't yeah. seen Slay the Heritage come up. Tell us why. I mean it got 
it got better. It used to be like you had to get a kill with a bolt or a flamer and a melter, and the more you did, the more points you scored, and it was super janky. Shooting. Now it's just five bolter kills, five flamer kills, five melt kills is 15 points at the end it. of the game. But but sisters don't shoot. We have Repentia with chain swords. We have Zephyrin with swords. We have like Sacrosynth with halberds. Like we don't we don't shoot. That's not a thing. And shoot it. <laughs> so yeah. like, like not going to happen. Yeah. Shooting apart from you know some very specific army shootings. I don't want to say it's in freefall, but it's uh, shooting armies are not dominating the game right now. It, it's not no, shooting shoot, so. shooting armies. I'm using this in I'm putting up you know quotation marks rabbit ears right now. Shooting armies are not like the best armies in the game. We're not where Ad, you know Admech isn't dominant. Yeah, Tau isn't dominant. Even Halo Doom isn't dominant. Um, you have to either be yeah. an all rounder or a melee army at the moment. Yeah, uh, and, and we can still shoot. You can still say you know oh, yeah. that. You know, that Tyranid uh, monster takes 35 wounds now. That's a sentence you get to say. Absolutely. But yeah, shooting's not the core of the list, yeah. Um, all right, jumping down, we are going to the data sheet abilities. And so we've got Shield of Faith here, which is the six-up um, Invuln, and then you always get to deny on a six, and then Zealot, blah, blah, blah. But we're going to talk about the Acts of Faith uh, and the uh, Sacred... Sorry? Yeah. Acts of Faith were exactly as good as they were in eight. Uh in 8th, we have the Triumph, which made them easier to use. Mm-hmm. We're back to getting two Miracle Dice every battle round instead of one. Acts of Faith are still really, really good. I, they're most useful for making charges. Uh, you'll see yep. every Sisters automatically charge a Deep Strike. I still think it's funny when someone's like, wait, you can use two dice on a charge? I'm like, welcome to 2022, man. This isn't true for a long time. Yeah, like, I, I always thought that would be something that G-Dub ended up going around, it's like somehow changing, like being like, uh, let's make it one Miracle Dice pair interaction. Um, as in, like, you can't use two... You know, and so it would be making it like, uh, uh, what's what's the charge for? Like fake dice. Yeah, what's the charge? Oh, thing Emperor's for Children, Emperor's uh, Honor Children? the Prince, right? Honor Where they the can just make a dice of six. Yeah. yeah, yeah, where you just make one dice, whatever you want, then you actually have to roll the other one. So it's not just a guaranteed freaking team that if you're showing a nine on your miracle dice, you just make the charges and crap. Um, I always thought it'd be something to get what they ended up changing eventually. Like they would get around to it, but yeah, it hasn't. So it's got to be this is just what they intended. But Adam, we don't we don't roll, we pray. <laughs> we, <laughs> uh, we operate with certainty. Uh, there are no miracles. <laughs> I love that it's called miracle dice. They call them miracle dice, but there's nothing miraculous yep. about it. You're playing with certainties. Um, and miracles I mean, are supposed I to be I think it's rare. a miracle when I'm like, these Zephyrim will move 12 and charge 12. I think that's a miracle every time. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but it seems so funny to me. They call it miracle dice, and I'm looking at, like, sisters' players, and they've got, like, miracle dice. Ah, this is just, like, the other type of dice that, that, I, that just happen to have miracle written on the side of them. I don't know what miracle means because I've just got so many of these. Like, this is common dice, Adam. These not miracle dice. They're common dice. Um, I mean, go on, sorry. No, no, that's fair. I'm, I'm done with my rant. I, I, I would say, like, miracle dice have uh, and will continue to separate out the good sisters players from the great sisters players. Like, everyone knows that you can charge an advance with miracle dice. But, like, that time when you fail a save on purpose so that they can't get the charge onto yeah. the objective with your last model. Yeah. like. That time when you save a six for Celestine to explode her last two, her last attack to get you yep. extra mortals. Like, there's so many little trick plays you can do with Miracle Dice. Uh, they really do, like, separate out the good from the great. And I, I love that part of the book. It's I'm really, really fun. Put it out there. Best part of the book, hands down. Not much argument. Yeah. I think this is the best part of the book. And this is, I think Fate Dice is the only, oh, maybe, maybe I'm being wild here. Because maybe the, is, the uh, is, is this the best monofaction Bonus because this is the manufacturing bonus. Yeah, you use miracle dice. You, do you lose miracle dice if you soup? You do. You lose yeah. miracle dice. Yeah, yeah, basically. Is this the best manufacturing bonus in the game? And if it's not, what's better? I think fate dice. Is I mean, cool. fate dice is good. I 
Obviously, I'm incredibly biased because L's are filthy, uh, <laughs> and so I prefer Miracle Dice. You could make a case, uh, but but I love like I can roll that Miracle Dice on turn two, and I can I can hold it over, I can hang it over your head until turn five, mm-hmm. right? I can I can make your ears steam with the problems that six might cause you all game long, right? Which fake dice you don't really get to do. So I love them. I love them. I think they're the best. You know what? Screw it. They're the best. The best <laughs> rule of any army in 40k, from my unbiased opinion. Honestly, I don't I, care. I Hard to believe, uh, hard to argue with that. I think unnerfed Harlequins, Laughing God Dice, like unnerfed Laughing God that Dice, was, was possibly better because of how much better it was for Harlequins, like how much better it made Harlequins. Because, um, like, I mean, you take away Miracle Dice from Sisters and they are just, like, a little bit, like, they're like, cool, ooh, we are guardsmen in power armor, ooh, watch out. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind the of... combat doesn't work anymore. The ex- combat doesn't work. You're well, too slow. Nothing works, right? You're just kind of walking at people. Like, ooh, gonna come get you with the sisters. Like, oh, cool, I'm staying um, not 18.1 inches away, and there's nothing you can do to me. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I like chatting with Eldar players who come over to sisters, you know, because they're they're elves, so they're, you know, flavor of tryhards, obviously. And the first thing <laughs> they'll always say is, like, man, this is really slow. And I'm like, mm, most of the time. Yeah. But sometimes we decide to be really fast. <laughs> yes. It was, um, you just have to be careful when that is. I was like, I remember there was something, I think it was on um, Best in Faction said, uh, they were comparing when White Skies were like the best army in the game and Black Templars, Black, when they had their upbringing off their index still, um, were yeah. quietly extremely good, but no one really played them. And they used to talk about how Black Templars can have one unit that is faster than all your units, but White Skies have a whole army that's faster than Sisters yeah. feel like that. We have a one of our units can be ridiculously a crap nuts bonkers fast. Rest of our army six to twelve inches, no more, no less. Um, jumping down, it's part of why you can't just pick up sisters and win a major with them either. Is because you're generally slow. You have to think way in advance. Like you can lose in deployment very easily as sisters, right? Yes, Which is exactly fun. right. And miracle dice is a skill cap uh, mechanic. They they will give yeah. you more the the more you put into them and the better you are. Like, I've seen Miracle Dice be very much non-factors in games. Like, I call a, a charge from reserve. Or oh, someone made their four up in bonds. And then I've seen people absolutely oppress games using Miracle Dice. Like, yeah. cool, I took that objective off you via Miracle Dice. I This this unit stood up. That one didn't die. This one, just like one or two extra hits, just, you know, swung a combat. That kind of stuff. Um, really, really crazy. Anyway, easily the best part of the book. Jump down. Sacred Rites. I am not enamored with Sacred Rites. I think the passion is too good and it may- invalidates all the other ones. What do you think? <laughs> Correct. Next section. <laughs> I mean, exploding six to hit, like, Repentia go from hitting, 50, you know, like 75% of the time with re-rolling fours to 100% of their attacks yes. hit. Like, I, it's just so, it's just so bonkers good. Uh, and everything else is weak and mediocre. That's why you might see... Uh, put the sigil Ecclesiasticus on a dogmata to get holy piety so that you can put a second one on a unit situationally, but you never take it. Like yeah. there are players who will tell you to take the five up deny stratagem into 1000 suns or gray knights. They are wrong. The best way to stop a psyker from casting spells is to murder it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they'll people say like in the sister's mirror, sometimes you take uh, hand of the emperor, which is the plus one advanced charge because speed matters and you can yeah. kill each other anyway. Yeah. There might be a case there. Armor of contempt makes that less. So, just like take it, man. Just like write on your list, sacred rights, unless I say otherwise, the passion, passion, right? And then never think about it. So for those of you who do not know, the passion, the sacred rights is like you get to the table, you look at your opponent's army, 
Um, and then you deploy and you see who, before you see who goes first. Is it when you pick it or is it before you deploy? Honestly, I don't even remember. It is, I believe it is before you deploy, but it's been it's so long before. since I've not said the passion. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like when you pick your vows for, for Black Templars and exactly. like when you pick your tide for Grey Knights, etc. Oh, no, the Grey Knights is definitely um, just before the start of turn one. So it's before the battle starts. You get to alter after you've seen your opponent's army. Yes. And you have to pick one of six things. It just so happens that number five on this tree is the passion and gives you army-wide exploding sixes in melee, which is, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you, it's pretty good. <laughs> now, I was I was listening to your retro on Grey Knights just so I would know kind of what things you throw at me. And at one point you're like, yeah, this is the best one because there's a stratagem for for exploding sixes in combat. And that's yeah. amazing. And I was like, eh, eh, eh. Yep, yeah, it is. The rapiers, yeah, the rapiers strat. Um, but yeah, for this one, like it, it, I feel like the meta, it does the, the build you want to take with sisters will determine, which is the best. It just so happens that because bloody Rose is the default best order. Therefore the passion is the default best sacred, right? I would like to say that in, in times gone past when we have had a he- very heavy MSU meta, when Drakari was dominant and, Sisters really didn't need any extra oomph in melee to get to get the killing power. Like, you know, five repentures still kill everything bar Talos, essentially, uh, yep. in combat. You didn't need the passion, and I saw a lot of more people take the plus two advance and charge because you just needed to close yep. the distance and get to them before they got to... Well, you needed the ability to get to them, you know, at some point in the game. So I feel like maybe if the meta... Maybe if T-Suns and Grey Knights were the best armies in the game, you, you might see the, the nine on fives being relevant. But as it's right now... I mean, they can't smite you if but they can't then, see you, and then you just close the gap and go kill them. And they're cool. They're not going to smite you. They're I mean, <laughs> maybe maybe the one the K, one K Suns player like doesn't get off a smite because you denied it on a five instead of a six. But you know what's real bad? If the Repentia charge into the Scarabacle Terminators and don't pick them up, that is a much more important thing that's that you flip. want to not have happen. That's a big flip. Yeah, that is. That's uh, I just checked. It's after it's after you pick the 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 mission. So it's before yep. deployment happens. You pick your sacred right. Yeah, exactly right. So you look at the, they give you hand you their list. You look at their li- their list, and you're like, yeah, I'm picking this one. Hand hand lift back off the off to the races. Um, sacred rights still a very relevant part of the book. Um, I just feel like it's like you said with a bunch of other ones, it's been very solved. And if yeah, literally yep. write the passion on your list, and then I doubt you're ever going to change it. Maybe one game in ten you change it. Um, and then, I can't remember the last time I did. Yeah, I genuinely can't remember the last time I did. So. So we are now cracking the fingers and we're going to talk about some data sheets, some relevant data sheets. One, Mostly we'll just t- we'll stick it to ones that we think are relevant at the moment. Of course, we're going to dodge the ones that everyone's used to playing against, like... Retributors we don't need, we don't need, the guns. Yeah, we don't need to talk about Retributors. We don't need to talk about uh, uh, Repentia. Everyone knows what they do. Like, um, I would like to talk about Morven Vile because upon release, uh, she was the... I, I think she, when she came out, she was the best single model in the game. Upon release, um, you know, I, I've, is she I, not still? Who, who do you contend is better than Morven Vile? <laughs> I think I think in a vacuum, Abby is better than Morven Vile. You take without context, like you take away the armies and you just look data sheet to data sheet. Abaddon is better than Morven Vile. Twenty more points for a lot more durable, a, a better in combat, and, and a marginally more relevant. Well, it's exactly the same buffs essentially if you're playing Black Legion, um, but just like a little better in combat and. And only twenty points more expensive. I oh, actually, actually, legitimately more durable. Uh, um, Does well. Abby give you wound rerolls too? Uh, to Black Legion, yeah, yeah, well, to, just uh, Black Legion. For Black Legion, it's exactly the same bar: four rolls to hit, rolls to wound. Um, she doesn't give all, or yeah, and he gives he gives a whole super faction real ones to hit, like Gilliman does. He gives all chaos. He gives buffs to all yep. chaos units, whereas she's just um, sandbox for sisters, 
which is fine. I mean, why wouldn't why wouldn't it be? But Morven Vile just seems to be a has has been and seems to be a borderline auto take in every sister's army for since she came out. Is that true? She is in every good list you see right now. Uh, full reroll to hit and wound is just so powerful, especially when you're playing the trading game. When you're pinching them out from behind the wall or the Zephyr, especially jump out from behind the wall, you want them to kill the thing. We we don't like probability of sisters. We like yeah. to pray it away. And and she's very good at making sure that you achieve your goal. And like certainty in 40k is nearly priceless in terms of value for a good player. And I think that's why you see her all the time, because you know those Ephraim are going to get the job done. Uh, and that is just too important to discount. Um, and then she hits like a truck when she needs oh, to. Just yeah. absolutely blast things off to the moon, like mid-late game when the board's a little more quiet and there's not so much to kill her. She can just like decide to take over the game like yeah. that around four. Well, I'll, that's I'll, amazing. I'll tell you, in combat, she hasn't she's, she hasn't always been terrifying. Like when I'm playing Dark Angels Terminators, more than violent combat, don't care. Um, but the fact is that she is a shooting threat as well, and there's very few times when you can say that a, a character as good as Morn Vale is will still like kill a land speeder from range every single turn, and then go and and, and pick up something in combat every single turn. Like you yeah. can't say that about about your Morn Vale huh? kills land kills things at range. My, mine fluffs every single time. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit of a meme, actually, how bad she is at shooting for me. Uh, AP two is just so lackluster. It, 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 <laughs> in, the ga- in the game right now, you're absolutely right. It, like it is, it is legitimately not great. Um, only five attacks on her data sheet as well is not not incredibly good. But the fact is, she'll fight twice the turn she needs to, and she has a very relevant sweep attack profile. Yep, it's a lot of targets. so she can get ten or twenty attacks on the right yeah. moment. I, yeah, exactly. I, right. I would say I, I trash her shooting. Uh, the one time her shooting does matter is she has a blast profile. Mm-hmm. So she can shoot uh, strength four AP zero one damage. Some, if she gets her full 12 shots, heavy duty six, that actually can be really important. Like in a zombies, for example, that's yeah. like the one time shooting is really, really good. And it gives you a tool. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to put it out there right now. I think Celestine has gone up in stock. Uh, with the changes to CP and all that relevant stuff, just being able to buy the Celestine package and she brings so much intrinsic value and a very good data sheet with her. Doesn't cost you any CP. I, I think she's I think she's better than she was uh, because she fell off pretty hard in Nackman, didn't she? Like for the six months of Nackman, she yeah. was she wasn't there. She, you didn't see her. Well, she didn't kill custodies at all. That's uh, true. She didn't do she anything didn't... for you into the meta, yeah, and she didn't true. help your game. I would say the value of a cell scene is not like she's CP efficient. I mean, there's like lots of stuff in this book that's CP efficient. I think the main value to cell scene is that, okay, some people look at cell scene that she's a beat stick. She's not a beat stick. She is a very durable, very fast control piece. Yep. And like sometimes she can go off on a mission, maybe with like Vol rerolls on her. But like in, in the world of Nachmund, or sorry, of Nephilim, being able to jump her 12 inches without advancing, land on an objective, and start sacred ground or start sending up a banner like is a real problem because mm-hmm. you're not going to kill her very easily. So that's why park a rhino in front of her. You got to kill the rhino and then the contents and then her. Most of us don't have the shooting to do that because she's fairly durable. She's got a two up save in cover armor of contempt. That's effectively yeah. a zero up save. Like she's yeah. very hard to kill. And then when people are trying to play objectives on you, the fact she can just heroic six and zone out an entire objective by herself is really important. And again, great sisters players will use this to make it much more challenging of a game than like a moderately good sisters player will. The one strategy we didn't mention is she can auto-direct, redirect attacks to herself from yes. another unit. It's called yep. Suffering and Sacrifice. That combined with her heroics, again, she's a control piece and very high skill cap in a world where our secondaries really appreciate that across the board. Very, very good character. So that's my take on her. I, I'm taking her on my list again. Yeah. She's back and I love to see her. 
I'm, I'm seeing I'm seeing her quite a lot more, and I can't disagree. I think she's incredibly good still. Um, she wins games without swinging her sword one time. Literally, she's done that for me. So I would like to talk about the triumph for a moment. Now, the triumph has Why? been. Why? Exactly. Why you hurt me like this, Adam? Why you do this to me? Because I want it to be good. It's freaking awesome. It's an incredibly good model. It's flavorful. It's thematic, and it's everything you should want to take. So tell everybody why don't you see it? Why don't we take it? So I had a triumph commission during Eighth Edition because it was great and everyone was taking it. Um, I I I, uh, I got really excited for it. I paid like real money for this thing. It took like a year, and of course, by the time it came back, the Ninth Edition book had been released. So it, I tried it a few games just to appreciate the paint job and to confirm that it belonged on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Uh, just nothing, nothing works on that data sheet. Nothing works. Like you try to think the old triumph, you're like, oh man, but like. Doesn't she let you, you automatically make a Miracle Dice of six so you can, like, pass a safe? Yeah, on core units. Doesn't work on your vehicles like it used to. Oh, man, doesn't she give, like, plus one to hit so it's really good? Yeah, but not on herself. She herself hits on threes. Like, so much about it doesn't quite work that you put her in your list, and then you play a few games. You're like, what did she do? Like, what did her presence change about the game that her not being there like would have been material? And I, I literally couldn't tell you in like five test games. I'm like, I could not tell you what she did for me. My, so. my biggest issue is that you take, you take a very um, semi-dynamic MSU. Everything is on a small base and is an infantry and moves through a wall and <laughs> yeah. can go. And, and at any point, anything can explode and go and do a bunch of stuff. And then you got the triumph, which can't do any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> it, six, it can't move through walls, but it moves six inches, it, and it is a monster base. Dude, yeah. I will tell you there was a game where I played against the Triumph, and I put a, I think turn one, um, I was just, I was just pushing, I was just pushing on my opponent. I'm like, I don't get charged by the Triumph. I don't really know what it does, and it's got a huge data sheet. I can't be bothered learning what it does, so I'm going to put one in cursor on the other side of the wall from where the Triumph is, and that turns out by doing that, the Triumph could not move. Because, it couldn't, <laughs> because it couldn't get through the wall without couldn't clear the, the wall, yeah. so it couldn't actually move anywhere. So the tri- by it couldn't charge me either because the triumph has a and charge. Advance charge, yeah. Well, it can't advance and charge, and I was wasn't within an inch of the wall. Now, oh no, I was on the wrong side of the wall to be within the two inches. Now, even now, I was on the outside of the wall. So if I was, even if I was, dude, even if I was two and a half inches away from that wall, the triumph couldn't move through that wall, and that's why I think she just is too clunky, like yeah. mechanically when you. Like even if the data shape was amazing, it's still held down by how like logistically difficult it is to negotiate. Essentially, it's a rhino. Like she's just, just a, she's a rhino that moves six inches. Just to double down on your point, like she physically cannot go through a wall because of the width of her base unless she's against the wall. And yeah. in a, and 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 that's like yeah, obviously. And then you would think, well, okay, so her moves are restricted. The real problem is walls you can hide behind are the most important premium resource for a sister's list, especially a tradey one. If she takes an entire wall away from me, like if she takes one of my two or one of my three walls, that is like wildly unacceptable because her presence is going to get all my Zephyr shut up before they can move. And yeah. I was like, not yeah. okay. And, and, and it would, it would be a lot better if she just had a two up armor save with armor contempt and, four, and, and those, those, you know, 18 wounds, but she got three up. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it doesn't actually, I mean, yeah, anyway. Let's she gets to look out, sir, or something. But again, I just she's just 200 points. If you want to play 200 points down and give your opponent a fighting chance in your club, take the Triumph. There, I found a role for her. You did. You did. Still fun. <laughs> um, I would like to talk about Sacrosance for a moment, and then we'll, I'll open it up and we'll talk about whichever, whichever ones you think are relevant. I'm starting to see Sacrosance again. 
Uh, I'm starting to see Sacrosons taken in Good. one to two squads. Some usually one medium squad of a, a seven, and then usually a larger squad of a, a nine or a ten. Uh, why yeah. is that? Yeah, so Sacrosons have gone through quite the wild ride. They were pointed at 14 points starting edition, and they oh gave like God. broke and they gave like broken bodyguards. So you would see one or two squads of five everywhere just for the utility, and they were so stupid. It was such a stupid rule. Um, and and then like there was a phase during the Tau Stodis meta where like actually we needed their combat because they were strength six, they could hit on two, so they didn't need rerolls in the custodies. And like there was a real compelling reason to take them in like big mobs of 30. Um now they don't get armor contempt, so their two-up save is actually no better than a three-up save against any kind of AP, which is actually quite disappointing for them. Uh, but yeah, you're right, you'll see them in squads of like, you'll see fives, and then you'll see seven or eights. And the reason that is very simple, everyone's playing Buddy Rose, there's a stratagem in the supplement called Care of Fourth of Faithful, it lets you stuff a rhino and then move it full speed up to 12 inches before the game starts. It costs two CP if you put Repent or Retrius in it, because GW knows better, but only one CP for anything else. And Sacrosons are the most killy thing that you can put in a, in a sister's list that costs one CP to carry for. And then, mm-hmm. you know, post up behind a wall if you're a good player and threaten space, or if your opponent made a huge mistake, just go friggin' charge him and kill stuff. And then pop two Crusaders out somewhere else to go take your shrine objective. So yeah. it's that that stratagem alone is why you're seeing Saxon squads with seven or eight, because they need space in the Rhino for that other second unit. That's exactly the whole right. point. Yeah. Spot on. Uh, and thanks, thanks for unpacking it, people at home. All right. Yep. Uh, one or two data sheets you want to talk about, and then we'll be signing off. Paragon Warsuits, I feel like we should talk about very briefly. I they have f- actually, for the. Yeah, go. They, they go on. You like them? You like them yet? I do. Come down enough for your points? I, I wish they had a, a data sheet overhaul and they got one more wound. Because four sucks. Just straight up. Having four wounds sucks for how many points you pay for them. But getting a two up with Armor Contempt is some consolation. Uh, how do you feel about them? I mean, their damage is now ridiculous. Um, Bloody Rose got a stratagem where if they hit a unit, if they charge unit with six or more models, they get exploding floors. <laughs> so they, they, with Vol rolls, they hit like 175 percent of the time, right? So ten attacks is like 18 hits or something ridiculous. So their damage output is really, really great. Um, they have been making lists. Mike Walsh ran a squad of them when he won a super major. Um, there are you see them in Bloody Rose lists, just one squad of paragons. They're kind of like retributors and a combat unit roll together. You have to keep them safe. You have to protect them. You can't just like send them out there when there's things that will kill them, but they can take over a game late. But they're like they are showing up. A few mad lads are running nine of them is Valor's heart. Ooh. Like Jordan Gledhill's yeah. doing this and uh, Ash C, who's out of Singapore, she's an unholy terror on TTS is doing it. So some people are doing it. I think as a community, we are undervaluing them, but only by a little bit. Hmm. So I think there's more juice to be squeezed out of that data sheet that we haven't really played with yet. Yeah, I think from range, they're very respectable. I mean, if, if you were taking a couple of squads of five retributors, you can literally drop five retributors out of your list and five merely whatever. Take Paragons and they can do both. Um, you might even still, you might even save some points in the interim. As well, um, yeah, in combat they're phenomenal. In shooting, they're very respectable. Durability wise, I just wish they had one more freaking wound. But apart from it's that, situational, right? They're yeah. really good against like auto cannons, right? Strength seven, AP yeah. one, plat two damage. They're like the perfect defensive profile. But right against like three plus D three damage, they're just super sad. So dead, so dead. Um, minus one damage will do some stuff for you, but you know, uh, do you know where they? <laughs> Orc players like just see paragons and like goddamn. Two up saves armor contempt. Come at me, buddy. Yeah, and I'll wait into the foe too. My mates exactly. will kill your twenty orc. Exactly, it's so disgusting. Uh, anyway, one more data sheet and we'll wrap this up. Ah, I get one more data sheet to talk about. Um, I'm going to talk about a sad data sheet. Can I do that? Can I be oh, sad for, sure. for a minute? So take your pick. 
uh, Dominions, their stock has dropped so much. Tell us They why. used to be an auto-take in every list. You'd run like five Dominions and five Rets in a party bus, and the Dominions would give it a pre-game scout move. Mm-hmm. You were double order, so you could make them a shooty order, and your melee was still Bloody Rose. Uh, mortal Wounds were great, spitting out six Mortals for one CP. But like, man, part of the problem is that Mortals aren't where they used to be. There's a lot more Mortal Defense in the game. Uh, part of the problem is it's only a six inch move. And part of the problem is you want to take two or three squads of Zephyrin and they compete for your fast attack slot. And I think that together, you just don't see them. I I agree. I think the fast attack slot is being oversaturated now with phenomenal choices is the biggest reason you don't see them. Um, the, the, the name of the game changing with the missions are just being just like a lot of the time it's trading or grinding in the middle, meaning the minions reaching to your opponent's board edge, you know, turn one with, you know, Guns that aren't relevant against Armor Contempt anymore, that being the yeah. uh, Spicy Bolters, the Spicy Storm Bolters, the damage two ones. Uh, it just means, like, you know, they just don't do anything. Like, they're a good activator. Like, I, I thought about them doing the Repentious Squad, like, delivery thing with the um, the Bloody Rose delivery thing for just, you know, two turn yeah. threats. But even that's just... Yeah, exactly. One yeah. round was six, one round was 12. It never, never, t- never really took off. It never took off. Yeah, I thought that'd be a thing, but it's just not. Um, can, can I just do one more day shoot very, uh, quickly, dude, very only, quickly? I was thinking it's only fair. I did three. You should do three. All right. So this one is the one where, like, so far the things you've been saying have been fairly uncontroversial and, like, limited chance to see how wrong I was in the future. Let me hit you with a, with a smoker. Oh, oh. Immolator. Take me. Yes, baby. Immolator. Yeah, I'm ready. Under My soul is ready. Appreciated. Oh. Underappreciated. 110 points for nine heavy bolter shots and six transport capacity and a decently tough chassis in a world where I want to be on objectives. I want to be on my shrine. I want to be guarding the character who's doing sacred ground. I think the emulator is a thing. I think someone's going to go X and one or maybe X and O at a super major with like two of these things, maybe three. It's going to happen. They've got an auto explode strat as well, which I think is very cute. Only uh, on the flamers, I only know, on the flamers and, and no one takes the flamers. So stupid. It's so stupid that they sandboxed it to the emulator and then sandboxed it to the oh, crap, the crappiest loadout on the emulator. I, unbelievable. Um, just no foresight. Look, if Art of War can go off by the Castigator, I should be able to go off by the emulator. <laughs> Still nine shots. I actually thought you were going to talk. I actually thought you were going to talk about the Exorcist. I thought you were going to like when you said I want to talk about a bad data sheet. One that's you know that's getting that's dunked. I thought you were going. I thought you were going to go to the Exorcist because that was it was a choice I mean, and now it's not a choice. It, I mean, it's one thing was it could indirect expensively, and now you don't have the CP to do it. Oh, and yeah. also indirect is terrible. It's terrible. Like, I don't know. What you yeah, think. it couldn't. It couldn't have been more pushed to the side, like, and then told to leave the building. It's hilarious. Uh, emulator, cool. Yeah, what are you putting inside it? Uh, whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Five battle sisters, so they spill out on the objective and and obsec it. It could be five uh, sacrosins in a character, and then you pregame move that sucker with carry forth the faithful's bloody rose. It literally doesn't matter. I just think transfer capacity is so useful with sisters. You know, you empty someone out, fill someone back in again next turn. I just think it's it's a lot of utility for those thirty points over the rhino. Well, the the game I played um against sisters on the weekend, he had uh, triple rhino, and I'm like, ooh, transport's are good now. Like, there are so many merely trading armies kind of popping up here, there, and everywhere, and just having yeah. a transport, uh, just making it be like, well, deal with my transport first, hey, um, and then you know I can do all sorts of things to mess with you when you when you do kill my transport. But, dude, uh, Satan, planes, turn one charging, uh, striking scorpions. There's a lot of reasons to like transports right now. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, All right. That that will complete our retrospective of the sisters. I think there's no (gasps) denying that they are one of the top factions in the game right now. Uh, I made some hot hot takes at the start when I said this is possibly the most touched faction. Like, 
G-Dub has touched sisters, has altered sisters, has messed with sisters up, down, left, right, or otherwise. Yep. Do you think that's true? Do you like, do you, now that we've gone through this, do you feel like they are an ever changing, ever evolving speed? Like, you know, I think I, I agree. I think a lot of factions have taken major nerfs. Some factions have taken a few big buffs. I think sisters have among are, are among the highest for reactively suffering or gaining based on the meta. Like, like I said at the start of the show, indirect being good is very bad for sisters. Like, there's a few things which, if true or false, really change the power level. Um, and also, we can build very different kinds of lists. We haven't even talked about, like, you know, the 9, 9, 12, 12 Mortifier list you could potentially build. That's so, like, I think... Dude, that's over in part two, baby. We'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> so, yeah, now, you, now you've given people a reason to, uh, to subscribe. There we go. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think they've been up and down a lot. I mean, I've been playing them nonstop for a very long time. That's, like, my whole thing. So I've definitely felt the love and felt the pain in equal measure. Mm. <laughs> when I was at Manchester, they had a 28% win rate that weekend. It's like, wow. oh my God. Yeah, yeah. wow. Rough. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like, you know, if you are a sisters player out there, well done to you for holding, the, for, you know, staying the course. If you're, if you are looking, if you're out there and you're looking for a, a faction, that always seems to be exciting and kind of, kind of always has a changing landscape and, you know, a myriad of different builds. Um, or, or, you know, you have a big collection of something. If you're going to have a big collection of any faction, Sisters is a good one to have because they're going to change on you. They're going to shift. They're going to alter. You're going to have to be fluid. Yep. But an uh, extremely rewarding faction. And of uh, in the in the retrospective grading, the Sisters Codex is an absolute pass for me. It's an absolute win yep. for Sisters players out there. The fact that it's had... Well, and it's, it's hard to say that because we have, like... Is there an Army of Renown? There's not Army of Renown, is there? There's two, there's two no. supplements. Yeah. Yep, the Bloody Rose one and the Martyr Lady one. Yeah, there's two yeah. bolt-ons that are both... Well, one of them is very relevant. One of them... <laughs> I don't know. The Martyr Lady one is pretty dull. Uh, it's pretty hollow. But this book is not. This book is deep. This book is rewarding. This book is flavorful and incredible. Has one of the best mechanics in the damn game and possibly the best or equal best mechanic in the game with Nephilim taken into account. Oh, you have to play with CP and less CP. And I just got more Miracle Dice. Sounds like you're the only one who was taking, who, who's getting nerfed here. Uh, crazy the way I feel about it. yep dude yep. <laughs> so good but dude on that note um where can people find sister act and what's your next episode gonna be uh yeah so what you need to do is just search for sister act 40k uh in any podcast app you like you'll need the 40k or else you just get a bunch of wolf and goldberg uh yeah. yeah and then come come hang out listen to the show our next episode it, we have not yet recorded it so you're getting a sneak peek here you're probably going to be you you were released so quickly this is going to be live before i even done the interview but we're we, we're on the calendar with Vic the J to do the new Bloody Rose meta list. And if Love anyone it. can talk about the list, it's Vic, because he, he just keeps winning Super Majors with the Sisters. Oh, uh, so I'm yeah. really excited to break it apart with him. Yeah, cannot wait, dude. I'll be listening to that for sure, because uh, I need to figure out how to beat them. Uh, it's very hard. <laughs> I'll release it after WTC. <laughs> no, put it out early. All right. Anyway, on that note, we will sign off. Please come over and join us on part two. We've got a bunch of listener questions. We're going to be unpacking the meta list to our uh, to whatever extent we can. And we're going to be talking about some spicy options for off-meta stuff. We may see down the track, maybe quietly very good right now, um, that people might want to explore. So please jump over to The Art of War down under over on Patreon over or theartofwar40k.com. Hope to see you there. Take care. And Mitch, always a pleasure, my dude. Thank you so much again for coming on. A joy and an honor. Thank you, Adam, as always. All right. See you soon, guys. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. 
Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War down under. Signing out from tomorrow.